Hey y'all, it's Kelsey. Welcome back to another episode of Cool Queers Doing Cool Shit. Thank you so much for everyone's support and celebration through the launch of this podcast. Your energy means the world to me and makes it clear how needed these conversations are to help all of us feel a little less alone. The last few months, we've seen a lot more concerted efforts from policymakers to attack transgender and non-binary people in our communities, especially transgender youth. There are 435 bills and counting attacking transgender people across the country right now, and those are just the bills moving in the first few months of the year. These bills are dangerous and do a disservice to all of our humanity and autonomy, but especially that of trans kids. Trans kids, just like all kids, are just that. They're fucking kids. They want to play. They want to laugh and joke and be in the dirt and play dress up and play pretend and play sports. They want to have friends. They want to live and imagine and dream. And to think that we have adults around this country who don't believe in the deep inner knowing that children have of themselves to be themselves is so deeply disheartening to me. But the thing that I know about transgender people and non-binary people is that they're everywhere. They're our family, they're our co-workers, they're our neighbors, they're makers and creators, they're advocates. And so today I'm honored to share a conversation with you, with one of those advocates, Devin Ojeda, Senior National Organizer at the National Center for Transgender Equality. As a senior national organizer, Devin works with coalition partners and federal and state government officials to create structural changes that will improve the well-being of the trans community, such as access to adequate health coverage and temporary housing. Prior to their work at the National Center for Transgender Equality, he was named the 2018 to 2019 James Marshall Public Policy Fellow by the Society for Psychological Study of Social Issues and worked for the Senate Help Committee on Primary Health and Retirement Security in the office of none other than Senator Bernard Sanders. Devin Ojeda completed their PhD and Master's in Community Psychology at Wichita State University and has a graduate certification in LGBT Health Practice and Policy at George Washington University. In the future, They hope to continue following their passion for and expand their expertise in healthcare, health minority equity, intersectionality, social justice, and public policy. Before we get started, I first just want to thank Devin for feeling comfortable to share some of his experiences with mental health. To make sure that we all feel like we have consent in the media that we're ingesting, I do want to start today's podcast episode off with a content warning that we will be discussing suicide and suicidal ideation. If that's not going to be what you need to listen to today, I 100% respect that and respect you. I hope to continue opening these conversations with various content warnings or trigger warnings if they're applicable, and of course, celebrating the expertise, the experience, and skills that the guests on this show bring to the table. So with that, let's dig in. All right, Devin, I am so pleased and happy and excited to be sitting with you today. I am so honored to be in community with you, and I'm just so happy to be engaging in this conversation and spending my time with you today. Um, So thank you for being with me on Cool Queers Doing Cool Shit. 
<laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm really, really happy and grateful because I, I love you, Kelsey. You're great. And it's just so great to do collaborative things together. Uh, I love it. Thank you, Devin, for collaborating with me. That's what <laughs> it's all about. So I'm going to start with a question that I actually closed the first episode with, and I've been really sitting with it. And I think it's something I want to ask all of the guests that come on this show. And it's about the word queer. So let's start there. Let's build the foundation of the word queer. Um, we know that queer is not just an adjective or a noun. We know that queer is also a verb. I'd love to hear from you, Devin. What are you queering in your life right now? Why am I queering in my life? Uh, honestly, masculine things. Like I, I just told you I bought a huge case of Monster Energy drinks and I'm like, yeah, that's masculine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like a queer thing to do too. And okay, I know like that, you know, what is that? Death water. For a while, I, I, I was ironically buying those. I know that I know they're shit, but like, I, but I'm just like, hell yeah, I'm a man. I'm going to fucking do this. And I was like, this is queer shit. Um, all the way to just like claiming even heterosexual people as queer, you know, like mm. Jennifer Coolidge. Uh, I was like, yeah, that's queer culture right there. She she may be like a straight woman, whatever, but she's she's gay. So <laughs> <laughs> the other day I called bagel bites gay the other day because it's a lunch and breakfast. So therefore, it's, therefore, it's brunch. They're also very small <laughs> and cute. Yeah, yeah. So They're yeah, so it's like gay and precious. Yes, very, very queer. And I was just like, and I had some this morning too. And I was just like, oh, this is queer culture right here. Me and my air fryer. Uh, well, <laughs> and my cat like screaming at me because he also wants pizza. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just to summarize this, monster energy as a masculine gay thing is gay <laughs> as fuck. Yes. Bagel bites and Jennifer Coolidge are gay as fuck. Yes, yes, yes. And you brought in a cat and there's just nothing gayer than a fucking cat. No, really? Cats are all gay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are okay. They, they're, because they... They're just so loud and like in your face and like 99% of the time they're fucking right to be upset. You know, mm. like they're just really good at like, they're just really good at like being advocates for themselves. And like if people, and I, I get weirded out when people don't like cats, you know, it's just like, <laughs> it's like, why don't you like cats? Because you hate the power dynamics. Well, sorry, buddy. You're more powerful <laughs> than the fucking cat. So yeah, I, I just see, I see cats and I see queer culture and I see queer rage sometimes. So. <laughs> well, what's really boss about cats is that they do not apologize for what their needs are. Mm -hmm. They just, are themselves they have their needs and they unapologetically scream for their needs and I think that you know as humans as people who are constantly navigating like what is a boundary and what are my emotional needs uh I learn a lot from cats yeah yeah they're fun creatures I've lived with one for 14 years now mm. he's been he's been my buddy through college has like sat next to me every time I've cried you know yeah. he's 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 my little friend but you know the other day somebody gave him she her pronouns and I was like you know what 
yeah yeah my, that's, that's a trans ass cat <laughs> yeah my uh, my cat is genderqueer absolutely I feel like I feel like he's like that little boy that you take to the mall and shop with and like mm. buy dresses for you know mm. and just like and like just be authentically him or herself you know just like switching pronouns that I don't know this is I I love my cat I love my cat a lot I also love my dog Garnet too but she's she's more dupey you're you like oh yeah the dog yeah the dog yeah she she doesn't hold a conversation like Marley does <laughs> precious I love yeah. you have your pet family I do I do yeah I'm not I'm not that alone I have I have pets <laughs> so can you where are you calling in from today uh uh Washington DC uh Trinidad area it's a great area I've been living here for like nine months mm-hmm. and it's right across the street from the cemetery which is great I have like sometimes it will be like the middle of the night and I'll hear a little ping and I'm like oh it's a ghost uh but you know it's it's been good I love Washington DC it's great you're in community with some spirits huh yeah hopefully yeah hopefully (laughs) hopefully some good spirits too so yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so you and I we met through our shared commitment to this work in abortion access and transgender justice can you just share a little bit about how your queerness shapes how you do intersectional justice work Oof. Um, it's such a, it's such a question because, <laughs> uh, here I am with the question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it really, it just, it comes from this like passion and motivation and, and just to strive for a world that is far more innovative and creative. Human beings are amazing. They're, we're brilliant fucking species mm-hmm. like i i will read the news and i'm like what the fuck we can do that now and it's like we have so much potential and so like all this gender ideology all this like binary bullshit all this like oh i have lighter skin because like i haven't been exposed to the sun in a while like bullshit <laughs> it's just like it's like it it's like, it's so useless, you know? It just reminds me of like the Aztec civilization where, you know, they they were so profound and innovative and then they started like, you know, sacrificing people and like the do- downfall of that civilization happened and, and it's, it's happening again, but in such a global way. And my queerness allows me to see a world outside of that yes. and see a world of like, where we don't heavily rely on money or we don't heavily rely on this this fucking bullshit ideology that we can still be spiritual as people but like it doesn't restrain or restrict the way we live uh, you know like beyond the gender binary beyond everything and 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 finally have access to bodily autonomy and so for me queerness has allowed me to see a world that is far far, far different, but achievable. And the way I'm able to do that is by working in solidarity with uh, abortion activists and really recognizing that this fight is the same fucking fight. Yes. And uh, and that we, we can't have one individual person leading it. We need to be more collective in our ideas and the way that we work together. And that's why I'm so driven by that concept of collectiveness because uh because that is so interconnected with my queerness 
if that mm. makes sense. Oh, it does make so much sense. And I love that you said, you know, that we as humans have so much potential. We're so innovative. We're so fucking smart. And what we're seeing is just throwing all of that potential in the garbage by wasting it on the bullshit that you mentioned, right? Like creating these fake ass constructs that are trying to separate us. So actually disrupt this collective energy and collective power that you're mentioning. That's absolutely necessary to do this work going forward and try and create a construct that's totally fake and a lie of the individual, right? This perfect person, quote unquote, who like is the one who's going to further the bullshit American dream, who's going to um, be saved by a fake God, right? Like, and so I am always so taken aback by the lie and the fiction that's being spun. Me too. (laughs) When if we look at what you're sharing, right? The real spirit and energy and power behind just listening to people tell their truths. Yes, 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 yes. Um, We could get somewhere so much more beautiful, so much faster. Yeah, yeah. But it's still possible. And you are someone who makes me know that it's possible. Um, Feeling is mutual. (laughs) (laughs) So you have really bopped around in terms of your work and how you've been engaging in this advocacy work. You've been working in politics before. You worked for Senator Bernie Sanders' office. Mm -hmm. You um, have been in this nonprofit work that you're currently engaged in at the organization that you're at now. And you have this background in academia, Dr. Devin, PhD. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what keeps you, 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 you seem very committed to continuing to be engaged in this advocacy work, right? You've like entered the work in a number of ways through a number of doors. What keeps you in the work when this work is very exhausting, right? And it's exhausting because of how personal it is to all of us, but what keeps you here? Um, humility mm. and, and compassion. Humility, because I, I mean, I think, and I think it's because of several different different like experiences of death whether it's ego death or like actual death where like things just don't like things for me now like there's just so many things I don't give a fuck about anymore Mm. and and that has helped me in my activism is is understanding that not everything is in my control even if, even if I try really hard and I guess like that's where the anxiety comes from right it's this like like this need to do more but you're so fucking tired and your chest hurts so much and you're just like Devin you need to take a break yeah. and and having that humility to know that you don't know everything but also having compassion for yourself and that's has helped me in the past I think nine months is um, making sure that when you're working, th- working collectively, that you're included in that collective. Yeah. And that's a lie. Another lie. If we're talking about fiction, that capitalism teaches us from very yes. early on, right? That we're only as much as we produce, that we have mm-hmm. to keep doing more. We have to keep making more and that it is inherently dependent on us as one unit, as one individual to make. And that's like you said, not true, right? Yeah. It's yeah. not just depending on us. It's depending on the collective us. Exactly. Um, and this uh honest humility that you're re- reflecting on of like disrupting that productivity cogwheel like inevitable loop 
um, is so powerful. Rest is so powerful. And yes, taking the time to take a step back and recharge is so powerful. Um, so I'm glad that you found ways to do that, but it's not easy to learn how to do that. But what does that look like for you? Like, how do you really tangibly break down? Like, what does your rest look like? My rest? Ooh. Um, you know, I was just watching movies and listening to music. I, I realized that, um, I did this thing where I repeat a song over and over and over again because nice. I, I just love the lyrics and the pattern and you're just like oh yeah I feel this feeling and like this whole morning I was just blastingly Tigre like mm. and just like yelling and getting angry because it's angry music it's great if you're an activist and you want angry music about social justice Le Tigre is the band for you <laughs> uh but you know I also connect with other trans and queer people. I think that helps a lot. Like just having more personal heart to hearts with uh, trans and queer people and then recognizing and breaking that individualistic uh, aspect of self-care. I like, I really, really love community care and yes. like finding ways to connect with folks in a way that's healing has been, I don't know, very pivotal to my yeah. journey at least. Well, so. this like hashtag self-care kind of way that white capitalism has taken on self-care and kind of put that label on it, self-care washing of things. <laughs> it, exactly. It does actually take you away from community, right? The ways that they're labeling it, they're like, go take a bubble bath, take a nap. It's like, that's not actually plugging you into all of the people who love you and want to hold you. Exactly. Um. So I'm so glad that you have that net to lean into and to be held by. Yeah. Uh, so right now we're living on earth at a really fucking weird time. Yep. Very like, weird. Wow. We were born here at a very weird time. Um, and we're seeing just this unprecedented onslaught of attacks on our, our bodies. Right. Yeah. Um, so attacks on abortion access, attacks on gender affirming care, attacks on whether we can show up and practice democracy. <laughs> um, yeah. And whether we're safe, right? Whether we as bodies are safe in our communities around each other and the police state. Yeah. Um, and so when it comes to the work that you and I do, we're sitting kind of at this crux of this playbook of white supremacy of trying to take autonomy and agency away from people who are capable of birthing. And mm -hmm. then also from queer and trans people, especially transgender kids. Oh, yeah. Um, but you and I both stay in this work and do this work because we both believe in a future that looks so much different than this one. And so when you think of a future where we are actually all held and safe and free, what does that look like in your head and your heart? First, it's the kids. I mean, you, you it's the thing that, it's the thing that gets me going. I think it's where most of my rage comes from um, is seeing how kids are negatively impacted by all of this. Um, there was a wise woman that told me, uh, you know, if somebody ever tells you that they've never been oppressed, they're lying mm. because they because they were children. And the mm. thing is, we do not respect children. Yes. And, and historically, it used to be a lot worse. You know, we we used to see we we have like child child protection laws right now, but we 
as a society do not give a fuck about kids bodily autonomy to the point where I have to check myself sometimes you know and I'm just like oh like can then can they make this decision for themselves and the answer is always going to be yes yes and that's hard to struggle with because you know the stupid mistakes you did when you were younger absolutely but like you are the person that you are because of those dumb mistakes Mm -hmm. and you need to allow kids to live their lives always guide them make sure they're not they're safe of course absolutely but you need to learn how to gain a child's trust and that like when you hear all these hearings and you hear all these fucking politicians talking they don't give a fuck about their decisions their their right to their decision the right to bodily autonomy of children they don't give a fuck. And, and, and you know, the reason why I know this is because a politician has asked like, okay, let's add an amendment where a cisgender girl doesn't get breast implants. And all the opposition were silent about it because it fits their fucking binary. It fits their, it fits their gender ideology. And they, they push and they think the, the narrative is that we are the one pushing gender ideology. We don't give a fuck. Right. We don't give a fuck about what gender you are. You're the one who gives a fuck. So it's really whose ideology is this? Because I'm not talking about gender. I have to just so I can exist and have access to healthcare and fight for my community. But if that wasn't existing, I would be doing something else. I would be thinking about something else. I wouldn't be so hyper-focused on that part of my identity as much as I have been for the past, like, five years you know because cis het white men have made it the villain right right and it's it's just it's wild to me because if you look if you look at the healthcare system everything everything that is gender affirming care for cisgender for trans people you know they the struggles are harder when you don't fit that binary anymore Yes. It's for like cis men who need uh, breast reductions. So easy to do. Mm-hmm. It's so easy for them. They can be fucking 15 years old. They can just do whatever. And they, no problem there. Because for, that procedure is helping them fit in the fake box of what we've been taught a man is. Exactly. And, but yeah. ask, ask a cisgender woman how, how easy it was to get a breast reduction. They can't, they have to go through a therapist and are you sure you want this? Like how many times have I heard cisgender women talk about how they want to get hysterectomies and they can't. Right. And it's just like, and it's just like, what the, what the fuck? So like gender affirming care and, and like the battles that we're fighting, this doesn't just impact trans people. It impacts everybody. Yes. and I want people to understand that, but I'm sorry. I realized I went on a tangent, <laughs> but it's just like stuff that I think about every night. It's like, this care is for everybody. I want to know the stuff that you think about every night. And I want <laughs> to know about what's going on in your head and your heart. So tangents are welcome here. Um, and, you know, something I was just, you have me thinking about is like, okay, so if this attack on the construct of gender is the villain that's a distraction right like we know that that is a construct that is trying to distract the world from the actual villain 
that's happening in our country right now. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you see as the actual villain? I you know it's hard because I I feel I I view I view the world in systems, but when you go down to it, it's the very very rich of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like I I'm sorry kind of a communist socialist person here i'm sorry <laughs> but capitalism is the evil <laughs> like yeah. and like look i i don't give a shit if you're rich i don't care if you're powerful i don't care if you're an influencer but this is like taking it way too fucking much like i mean granted i think things need to be equitable but i mean at least give us 20% of your wealth and it will be better, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. You know, it's like, like literally 20% of your wealth, Bezos, like to just solve <laughs> homelessness. Like it's just, it, and when you think about, and, and in my head, I just think we're all like starving little birds. And then there's like maybe one or two birds like with like full bellies laying on top of crackers. They're not even eating. And that's how, and it's just like, this is what it feels like. Like, this is, this is like this concept. Why are we playing along with this? You know? And and it's just like, we, we can't even, we can't even push the tax, the taxes without them getting so mad even by 1%. It's just like, like, I don't, I don't understand. Like our life would be significantly better and we took even a little bit from them. And so and their lives t- wouldn't change. Their lives wouldn't change. They would still have their fucking yacht. Like, <laughs> de- <laughs> like the, the, maybe the temperature would change by one degree for them. But that's about it. Yeah. Like, this is such a small thing. And it's like, and then I, and then my other question is, like, if I ever meet one of these people, I'm just like, why? Like, why, why is this all necessary? Yes. You, you know, this is, none of this is necessary. You could just like take some of your wealth and change people, change people's lives and you don't, and you're not. And so I think ultimately it comes down to capitalism. Right. And it's a choice. They're, con- they're choosing to continue to participate in that cycle and in that system. Yeah. I just feel like somebody, somebody is writing this, like a, I don't know, like a cat is riding this plane. <laughs> I'm, my cat's right next to me right now. So that's why I said it. It's just like, and it's just like, and people are just letting it happen. We're just like, okay, we're just going to crash on this mountain and we're just going to let it happen. And it's just like, we could stop this. And people are like, yeah, I know we can. And then nobody I think stops a it. Cat pilot would do better than this. <laughs> I think, I think so. I think so too. I think so. <laughs> So capitalism has become a system that has uh, really fucked with every aspect of our lives. And one of those areas is healthcare. And I know that one piece of a future we can all get free is where everyone, no matter who we are, has access to healthcare and specifically access to mental healthcare. And I know that access to mental healthcare is something that means a lot to both of us as individuals. It's been a part of both of our individual journeys and stories and, uh, this last few years, especially with COVID and the pandemic, I think it's been a the first time that many folks were forced to sit down with their demons and to really sit in who we are, our shadows, our traumas, the things that are hard, right? The just like inevitable hards of living. And it's forced us to sit with and reckon with a lot of grief and that inevitable grief that comes with living I'd love to hear what helps you sit honestly in 
inevitable grief. A powerful ancestor for future queer littles who also are in these ecological systems of feeling like everything doesn't want them to be here, right? Yeah. yeah. And for you to be sitting here and be, you know, you're you're living. And yeah. maybe it's still hard, but it's you're really here. Hard. Yeah. And I was just yesterday talking with one of my queer, trans, chosen family, beloveds, um, someone that we both know, actually, but <laughs> uh, I was sitting with him and he was talking to me about how much support he feels from queer ancestors and the fact that they've survived through environments and times in history that were somehow even more restrictive and more violent than the one that we're in now. Mm-hmm. And that through their community activism, that through their survival, it can help us remember that we're not alone in our efforts and in our desires to keep building towards a future, right? Like they helped us be a little bit more us, right? They helped us create a space where we could be a little bit more loud in our queerness and maybe survive a little bit more. And it's still really bad and it's still not perfect, but I really hope that as we live as queerly as we possibly fucking can in this lifetime that we're setting up and creating a space in the future where the future queers can be even louder and be even more and walk down the street and have even safer experiences than, than, than you are, than we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say also for queer elders and trans elders and I'm putting myself in that category. <laughs> I, you know, I challenge ourselves to learn from them too. Yes. And because when I think of intergener intergenerational, it's not one, one older generation passing information to another. It's more, it's more of a symbiotic relationship. Mm. Um, and that's how I view younger folks in the movement is like, okay, this is a person. I mean, it goes back to that idea, right? Of like, of like not being biased and inf infantilizing people, yes. I should say, which trans mass folks get it all the time. But I feel like Gen Z in particular are getting infantilized. And so like, as a millennial, I'm like, hold on, Devin. <laughs> <laughs> they probably know, they know what a subs, what is it called? A sub stack or whatever, whatever. Yes. <laughs> they know what the fuck that is. You do not. <laughs> <laughs> And and that means allowing them to lead. Yes. And Creating being okay. Yeah. 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 And being okay with it. And being Absolutely. like, you know what? I'm here. I'm here for you, supporting you. You do your thing. I love that. And that gets us to the last question that I have for you today, um, which is about community. And you're mentioning community in terms of it being intergenerational and how we need to have these symbiotic relationships across age, but that goes for any identity and um, any relationship that we have in our life. But I'd love to hear about your community because you mentioned earlier how much community care means to you. Um, who do you call family and what did it look like to build this infrastructure of care and what role do you play in it? Because what I've learned as I've been building my own chosen family over the last few years here in Kansas City is that I'm of course 
someone who needs to be pouring care into community. And also I need to learn how to be a vessel to receive care back. And that is a challenge. <laughs> um, so tell me about your community, your family and your care. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do, I am blessed with the, with family. I do have, um, my siblings live nearby. Um, I have this trans queer couple that lives like five minutes away and we always have dog plays and, um, and, you know, it's always a good time. Uh, you know, and then I have my community online. I think, I think the connections I made online, like family, uh, and, it's so fun running into folks in conference. I was just at the Creating Change conference and mm. just getting to meet people I, I admire, you know, and, and connecting with them on such a personal level is so revitalizing. Um, and so I am very appreciative of my online community. Um, and then just the trans and queer folks locally here. There's a cafe called As You Are um, in DC. I recommend everybody going. Um very great it's a bar cafe very friendly have has they have pretty good COVID friendly rules and Mm -hmm. um and good non-alcoholic options as well so uh I recommend them um but that that brings me a sense of community and um and yeah and just the folks at work (laughs) I just think you know I just like very protective of them and I always look out for them and you know when I see I provide good feedback, you know, but also like, I also learn from folks too. And I, I think, um, I think it's really great working with people who share the same values like you do. So, mm. Well, I'm so grateful for your time today. And you're someone that I just am constantly looking towards for Thank you. connection and, and inspiration and, solidarity like knowing that we're here doing this work together brings me peace and helps center me um and I love continuing to build relationship with you it's such a deep honor uh but I'd love to just as we close this episode of cool queers doing cool shit hand it back to you is there anything else you want to end with that's on your head or your heart yeah, no, check out check it, uh NCT out, National Center for Transgender Equality, transequality.org. Um, we're doing some cool things. There are federal rules coming down the pipeline that you should all pay attention to, including Title IX and making sure that trans veterans get uh gender affirming surgery, uh surgeries. And you know, we're also uh, uh, partnering up with Transformation Project to do more work on state bills and uh and putting out more action alerts for folks. So definitely check us out. Check out Transformations Projects out too as well. And yeah, thank you so much for having me, Kelsey. What? Okay, yes. I cannot emphasize enough how much life this conversation with Dr. Devin Ojeda gave me today. I am so excited to keep sitting down with queer people who are showing up for their communities to further all of us in the direction of justice, joy, and liberation. We have lots of great conversations coming up that are on deck for the rest of season one of Cool Queers Doing Cool Shit, but I'm still looking for your cutest, most caring, smartest, funniest queers. If you have suggestions on who I should be talking to on the podcast, drop me a line at coolqueersdoingcoolshit at gmail.com. 
Thank you so much for spending an hour of your precious time with me. Feel free to follow my rambling writings at Kelsey's Disco on Substack, and you can find my social media as well as Devin's social media in the show notes. Please also look to the show notes for information about Trans Lifeline, a peer support hotline by and for trans and questioning people. Trans Lifeline is committed to being a truly safe hotline and commits to never opening folks up to non-consensual intervention from emergency services or law enforcement. These weeks have been heavy, y'all. They've been full of big hearts. From Tennessee to Idaho to Florida, our country is navigating a lot of pain day in and day out. So from me to you, I'm here with you, doing work to heal, to rest, and to survive. Okay, all you queers, take care, be well, and do something that makes you laugh today. <music> <laughs>